0: This is the Field Goals Podcast. I'm Brandon Schultz. And joining me to talk about the Bobby Wagner contract extension extended for three years with the Seahawks on Friday. Joining me is Michael Sean Dugar of The Athletic. Mike, how you doing?
1: I'm good. I don't have $54 million, <laughs> but, you know, relatively speaking, I'm good.
0: $54 million over three years. Uh, there's, I feel like there's some significance that goes along with that, that $54 million number. I, I just can't put my finger on it.
1: Yeah, you know, I don't know either. Maybe No, it can't be his jersey number. Oh, yeah, of <laughs> no, course it right. is,
0: right? First. I I kind of feel like that's a baller move, right? Like, how about you just pay me my jersey number, you know? And they're like, "Well, over over 4 years, right?" No, no. 3.
1: Well, uh thankfully Russell Wilson didn't go in with that mindset.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and we might be talking billions if uh if Russell's going uh with with number 3.
1: Yeah, oof, no kidding. The 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 way the The value of the company, since he's been the quarterback, I'm sure it's just exponentially more valuable. So
0: what was your reaction when you saw Bobby Wagner signed his contract extension? We had kind of heard whispers that it was going to come pretty soon with the start of training camp. KJ was at the podium earlier uh, just yesterday to kick off training camp, and he kind of hinted that, that they were really close to having something done. So what was your reaction when you saw it come through?
1: Yeah, and then in addition to that, Russell said, you know, on the podium today that, you know, he's confident that something's going to get done. I mean, like, Russell's confident in everything, so, like, you got to take it with a grain of salt, (laughs) but, like, the combination of Russell being confident openly and, like, even KJ, you know, being confident, you kind of felt like, all right, this is going to get done here pretty soon, and then, you know, Bobby shows up the first day in a sweatsuit with no team logos on it, like, he flipped the team hoodie inside out. Which kind of felt like a weird move. I almost felt like a protest in a way. Kind of reminded me of when the the Clippers, after that Donald Sterling thing, I think they warmed up with their uniforms, flipped inside out, I believe. Right. So that felt like a weird move from Bobby. But then, you know, Pete says, oh, we're going to talk to him. Next day he comes in, you know, cleats, helmet, sweats, jersey. Kind of felt like, all right, they reached the middle ground. Like, hey, you know, give us some good optics. We'll get this thing done. Well, you wrote
0: on The Athletic and uh, the headline there, Bobby Wagner handles contract negotiations the right way in extension with the Seahawks. And it's pretty significant with him getting his extension done. You know, you talk about doing you, you say at the opening, there's no right way to handle a contract negotiation. But uh, it's kind of significant knowing that Bobby Wagner being his own agent for this particular negotiation.
1: Yeah. And it can't really be overstated you know, for multiple reasons why it's significant. Bobby negotiated his own deal. Uh, you know, for starters if Bobby had got uh, a bad deal, because like this is three three years, 54 uh, per year is higher than CJ Mosley's, who was the last like really big name linebacker to get a deal, right? So you want to try to reset the market. That's any agent's goal. Bobby recognized that. If he was to get, you know, some rinky dink deal that's loaded with like playtime incentives and just a bunch of other nonsense of someone uh, Bobby Wagner's caliber, he'd be getting slammed right now. There are all these think pieces about how players... And with all this coded language about how players need agents, and questioning whether they're, you know, smart enough to do this, and it'd just be ugly. I mean, it was like that when Richard signed his deal. Now, right. Richard's deal wasn't great, but there's not much to suggest uh, that an agent would have got him you know a much better deal. Maybe it would have been better. Maybe it wouldn't have been. You know, you don't know. Bobby should get some praise for getting exactly what he should have got. You know, eighteen mil, highest paid guy by himself. You know, that's that's worth noting. That's worth celebrating uh, for Bobby.
0: That was kind of my take throughout the off season. Is for Bobby Wagner, a guy who is the top player at his position, you know, we just saw him get the 99 in Madden, you know, he's consistently ranking in the top 10 in a lot of these top 100 lists in terms of, you know, players and, and their impact to the NFL as a whole. So in terms of where he's at in his career, yeah, he's getting a little bit on the the older side of his career, but he's still kind of within that prime. When you look at giving a, a linebacker, a third contract doesn't seem as risky as giving it to a guy who is a safety or a corner, it seems.
1: Yeah, and even then, honestly, I thought they should have paid Earl. Right. You know, I think the Earl the Earl stuff didn't get really bad. I mean, behind the scenes, it could have been awful, but you know, publicly, it didn't seem to get really bad until the Christmas Eve uh, game against Dallas in 2017, where he's like, "Hey, you know, uh, I can't think of the oh, Jason, Jason Garrett, Garrett. yeah. Say, hey, Jason Garrett, you know, if uh, if you're if you got an extra any other extra money and a roster spot, call me." While wearing his Seahawks uniform, which was terrible 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 optics but before that i thought they should have extended him and i i think they they might have honestly if he didn't know preemptively announced that he was going to hold out i think he did that at the pro bowl uh that year like only like a month later i think that's when the seahawks were like oh, okay we're, we're not gonna bite on this and then it just kind of went downhill from there you know the hold out the the disrespect will not be forgotten the middle finger it was just a a bunch of stuff but like it's, I don't even think it's that risky to pay some of these guys if they, you know, they're durable, you know, science is a little bit more advanced now. A guy can break his leg, come back and make all pro. You know, I just paid Tyler after breaking his leg and having a down year, uh, you know, paid him right right after that with no real great proof that he, he'd put out that 2018 season. So I don't even think the risk was really there like that with Bobby or Earl. Like I thought it would have made sense and you could have justified it if you're the Seahawks to pay two of the best guys at their position. And at the end of the day, if you pay that, you know, you'll always be able to justify like, hey, man, Earl's the best safety in the league, so we paid him. You know, or, hey, Bobby's the best linebacker in the league, so we paid him. That's, that's not a tough sell. You
0: know what I think about the best thing is with this Bobby Wagner deal is that it uh, it came through in the evening and it wasn't a middle of the night deal. We didn't have him uh, waking <laughs> up in bed uh, next to, you know, a significant other and announcing it uh, in a really strange way. Uh, I think I think when you say Bobby Wagner did it the right way, I, he, he went about it the right way that way,
1: too. Uh, yeah. You know, we didn't need another. Hey, Seattle, we got a deal from Bobby Wagner. You know, we really didn't. Didn't need that. If anything, it would have been kind of cool if he announced like tied it to Madden somehow with like a video game announcement. Maybe like his his player on Madden just sitting on a bag of cash or something like that, because it is really cool that he's 99 overall. That's really hard to get. And like a guy like that should get paid. You look at all the other guys who are 99 overall. They all got paid. Now, I think three of them had to hold out or no, just two of them had to hold out to do it. But I mean that's how it goes in this league. The superstars have to hold out. Look at who's holding out now. That's why I really want to emphasize Bobby did this about as perfectly as you could, you know. No drama. Didn't look like he like messed up his relationship with the front office. You know, he kind of kept his same stature in the eyes of the fans, which is like something that Cam took a hit on mm-hmm. and Earl. Uh so like he avoided all that and then got the bag. Like that's the that's best case scenario.
0: Well, and I think as Seahawks fans too, I, I know I was concerned. Especially with Wagner being his own agent when that came out, because we saw with Russell Okun, who did it before, he ends up leaving Seattle, going to Denver, ends up getting a big deal negotiated by himself when he, when he goes to San Diego or Los Angeles and uh, Richard Sherman when he was his own agent ends up leaving Seattle. So I, there was that consternation for me that going, Oh, here's another Seahawk who's going to be his own agent. Does this mean that the that, uh, third time that, that uh, he's on his way out of town too? But I think it does help with him being, you know, I c- you can pretty much say since I am the best pay me as the best. And that's about as easy as it gets when it comes to negotiation.
1: Yeah, and that's why they didn't pay Frank. You know, Frank ultimately got paid like he's the best pass rusher in the league, and he's not. You know, he had, I mean, there's an argument that Frank's not even, like, a top-five guy. Like, they can argue that the other way, too. But the Seahawks are probably looking at that and it's like, yeah, man, you're really, really good, but you're trying to get, like, top-of-the-line money. It's like, we need to see some All-Pros or some Pro Bowls or something before we just shell out that type of cash. So when it comes to getting $100 million, the Seahawks just like, nah, man we're going to get this first round pick and flip these picks before we give you a hundred million dollars.
0: Do you think that it was because of the Frank Clark deal that it made things a little bit more difficult with, with cause you, you pay Russell and you pay Bobby, you know, you have to pay those guys being as the two top guys. And then with Frank, it I, it just seemed like it was going to make things more difficult.
1: Um, the money was there to do Russell deals, Frank deals, and Bobby deals. Now, that would have not left a lot for, like, Jaron Reed, but that's not one that you needed to get done before the year. That also would have meant, like, maybe next year, getting rid of, like, a Justin Britt, maybe you know, you'd have KJ probably off the books. I know KJ signed a two-year deal, but it's when you can get up from under, you know, cutting with, like, guys like Ed Dixon. There's There would have been ways to make it happen for next year. You would just have to have drafted well, probably held off on giving Jay Reed a deal, which they're probably gonna do anyway now that he can't play the first six games of the year. So it was definitely doable. Uh the team would probably want you to think it wasn't to make them look a little better, because you know, a lot of people are like team friendly there and want to like root for team and say players are too expensive, that's why they don't get paid. But the the money was there. It just got too expensive with Frank. Frank's in their mind was not a hundred million dollar guy. You know, I think he's what, like the fourth highest paid defender now or something like that. Like he he was great, but I don't think they saw him in that way for Bobby Wagner
0: and kind of the, the way he went about things. It was relatively drama free overall, right? Do you think the fact that he didn't have an agent contributed to, to that or the contrast between Russell Wilson's negotiation and Bobby Wagner's negotiation and how it played out in the media? I think it, it,
1: there's a big contrast there. Yeah, have, not having an agent definitely helps you mitigate leaks. Definitely does. I wrote a story actually when the first big Russell leak happened. I think it was on the Cowherd one that Russell wants to go to New York because Sierra wants to go to New York and Seattle's too small of a market. All that stuff. I wrote a, a story right after that. I talked to some some league people, some insiders, some agents, just about how the nature of the offseason leak business goes. And yeah, a lot of it is agents. They want pub for their clients, so they'll call a report. Or something like that. You know, there's there's ways to get your client in the news and they know how that works. They know it's a good negotiating tactic if your uh your conversations stall. Without an agent, like you limit that. Of course, the team can always do that because teams do leak things as well, happens all the time. You know, they do a you scratch my back, you know, I'll scratch yours type of thing with the national guys. That happens, nature of the business. But when Bobby doesn't have an agent, uh keeping everything to himself, you know, for the most part, so you know, confiding in people close to him. uh, Yeah, it definitely mitigates the leaks and makes it a little less dramatic. I mean, you can still not have an agent and be very dramatic, you know, like Richard Sherman. Uh, But Bobby, again, did it the right way on all fronts.
0: Well, and it just kind of depends, I think, how you want to go about using the media to your benefit or, you know, to your detriment if if it ends up working out that way. And it just seems to me that Bobby's kind of a no drama type of guy.
1: Yeah, for the most part, I think I have a quote. In my piece today, that's like he specifically said, I don't want this to be a a big dramatic affair. So just let's just let's just move on. I'm gonna get a deal done, or I'm not, and I don't want to do a bunch of talking about it. And he didn't, and you know, got it done. Like, it and it helps that Pete doesn't want to either. Pete hates talking about that stuff and contracts and like how the talks are going. He hates doing that because I mean that is his wheelhouse, but not really. You know, that Schneider, that's their salary cap guy. That's jody allen now to some degree so but pete's the guy who's got to get pushed in front of the microphones and he doesn't like doing it because it's super awkward doesn't have a ton of control so that element of it too is important bobby doesn't want to talk about it neither does pete so they didn't
0: well the three-year extension for bobby wagner again 54 million dollars over 40 million guaranteed it means that he's going to be in seattle through about 2022 and with uh almost 600 solo tackles on the books. I think we can pretty much count on Bobby Wagner being the leading uh, Seahawks tackler by the time his career in Seattle is done, of course uh, has a chance to, to add to the five-time pro bowler that he is a four-time all pro. I'm, I'm looking forward to many more years of Bobby Wagner ahead.
1: Yeah. It doesn't sound like there's any signs of him slowing down either too. Like Bobby keeps getting better. Like he keeps wanting to challenge himself and find new ways to train. Like i I know the guy who trains him up here in Bellevue, and one of the things he really likes about uh the trainer is that every year he tries, he finds a new way to make Bobby better because he can get real stagnant. I think that was actually the problem with the Seahawks strength and conditioning staff, which is why they all got canned, is mm-hmm. because they weren't finding new ways for like guys to to get better. You know, after like eight years, KJ's like, Look, man, I, I got this stuff already. We've been doing it. I'm not saying that he actually said that, but those type of things you know it's similar to how uh richard sherman claimed that pete's message gets stale with the veteran players it's kind of similar with strength to conditioning it's like look man i need to get better i'm in mean, like year seven eight six whatever like what, what what new stuff you got for me so like he stays in great shape he's always like adding to his game like you look at his past coverage numbers like the last few years they keep getting better doesn't miss tackles you know and it's it's the intangible stuff too like bobby's a leader that defense doesn't have a ton of them across the entire, like, defense. The position groups have theirs. They only got Bradley. Uh, they had Jay Reed. They had Frank. You know, but, like, when Bobby speaks, everybody listens, whether you're a corner, safety, or a defensive tackle, right? And that's that, That's value. you should have to pay for that, and the Seahawks just did.
0: Hey, you, they still have Jay Reed, man. Come on, Mike. <laughs> He's going to be out for six games, but they, st- they still got him on the
1: team. <laughs> That's true. The six weeks, though, I don't think he can even be around. Like, I think he just has to like kick rocks and like, you know, go to Maui or something like that and watch the game. So that's gonna be it's gonna be tough. But I think a, a player the other day told me, I can't remember if it was Quentin Jefferson or Nas Jones, was like, look, you know, the leader was Jay Reed, but we have other guys who can. It just happened to be him the last few years. We're we're capable. You know, they sounded real confident that they can manage without him. We'll see. But yeah, they, they at least in their room they are pretty confident that they won't miss a beat.
0: So, you were there for Reed's comments on the podium. What was your reaction to, to him being up there? Uh,
1: it was r- real brief. I mean, I'm glad they you know, tossed him up there and had him do it. I think it's really, I mean, I can see why he didn't want to talk about the details of the situation, just saying that he disagrees with the NFL's decision based on the facts. Now, when you read the police report, uh, you know, like it's very clear, like her recollection and the witnesses, uh, you know, the police statements, the photos, like, the pictures of uh, the door that he allegedly broke down, you know, in their, in this the alleged domestic us- dispute, like her facts are there, or at least her, her recollection of, it, you know? So it, yeah, it would be nice to, to hear Jaren's. Obviously I know his lawyer was like, look, man, don't say nothing. Probably. I mean, he did in the police report, uh, but I think it would, it might do him some, some good. I think maybe possibly it's tricky because right now, when suspension came, was one of those rare scenarios where people are pointing to the league instead of like focusing on like the uh, alleged guy as like a domestic, uh, a vic- not a victim, but like a domestic abuser. You know, yeah. Jaren, at least to my knowledge, hasn't really been hit with that label as someone like Frank was like Kareem Hunt just got, uh, you know, obviously Ray Rice, Greg Hardy, the guy in San Francisco, Cameron Ruben Foster, uh, I want to say. Like, those guys got, all got hit with the label pretty quick. Like, oh, you are a domestic abuser. We don't like you. Go away. Whereas, like, Jaron Reed's like, ah, it was two years ago. do know, what's up with the timing? When it, the focus easily could be the information in the police report, and that could get spun in an entirely different way. The team could view him differently. Uh, so there was a lot going on when he was at the podium. That was what I was really thinking. Like, man, he's very fortunate, actually, that, one, he wasn't arrested or charged, and that, two... You know he doesn't have that domestic abuser label when there's just as much information as there is in some of these other cases minus you know video like but there even then there's some photos in there uh from like the girl alleged, like she you know got bruised up when he dragged her across the floor uh, so i think there was a lot again a lot going on with the jaren reed situation but you know, the fact that we're not talking about domestic violence, really, we're talking about the inconsistencies of the league's disciplinary actions is kind of a win for Seattle. It's kind of gross to say, but like you get where I'm going with it.
0: Oh, yeah, it, it's a win for Jaron for sure. Uh, yeah, and now definitely
1: a win for Jaron Reed, too. Yeah.
0: And now uh, we have a win for the Seahawks with the Bobby Wagner extension coming in. And it kind of I, I think when that news came out about the six game suspension and and that was before we had some of the details, I know I know for me it was like, OK let's make the Bobby Wagner extension happen. Then this is some positive news. And because there's, this is about as positive news. I think that we're going to have going into the 2019 season right now, because the only things that can happen from, from here on in are, you know, those bad news, you know, injuries and, and suspensions. And, and those are, there's really nothing good that can happen before the start of the season after this point now.
1: Uh, No, everything will be bad. I mean, unless you're really looking forward to like a, Jermaine Effetti extension, I think this is about as good as it's going to get in terms of news prior to week one.
0: I I don't know how many people out there in the in the Venn diagram of Seahawks fans and Jermaine Effetti extension, uh, people who are looking forward to that, uh, where that crosses over. But, uh, you know, there's probably some people out there.
1: I think very few. I think a lot of them, their last names are probably Effetti.
0: Michael, Sean, appreciate you coming on and talking about it. If people want to check out your work on The Athletic. Where do they go to find it?
1: Uh, theathletic.com. You can, you know, search Seahawks. You'll find a lot of my stuff there. Like I said, I just wrote a, a, a Bobby Wagner piece uh, just right when the news broke. So you can go check that out. It's more like what we were just talking about, the, the way Bobby went about it. But, you know, The, the contract and his numbers are itself. Yeah, does the speak for itself, but the way he went about it is really important. And I don't think that should be overlooked in this situation. And I'll be covering training camp all summer. So come check out all the training camp coverage.
0: Gotta check it out. Follow you on Twitter at Mike Dugar. Check out the Seahawks man-to-man podcast. And also check out fieldgoals.com. Kenneth Arthur has a piece talking about the win-win situation that John Schneider struck with the Bobby Wagner contract extension. You also have Mookie Alexander announcing the contract extension right there on the front page of the website at fieldgoals.com and day two of training camp in the books. Check out the piece from Tyler Olson. It's all there at fieldgoals.com and be sure to subscribe to the field goals podcast. We'll be bringing you news and action and reaction throughout training camp and leading into the 2019 Seahawks season.